What is going on, everybody? Happy NFL Eve. The regular season is tomorrow. Chiefs-Lions will talk about that and Pete's picks, how I'm doing it this year, why I do not pick against the spread. I don't look at the lines. I don't look at the odds and why you shouldn't either when it comes to putting your money on the line. I'm going to tell you what I do and how I can help you this coming NFL season. Additionally, Joey Bosa, excuse me, Nick Bosa, his brother, has signed a massive NFL deal, how the Niners have built wisely their football team. And while I'll give some credit to John Lynch, who I don't always see eye to eye with, Chris Jones, I think he's playing with fire. I think he's got some leverage, but he's also got high risk in not joining the Chiefs tomorrow night at Arrowhead. We'll talk about him. Are the Arizona Cardinals punting on 2023? I don't believe tanking happens in the NFL, and I'll tell you why it's not happening now in the desert. Joe Burrow, Cincinnati, they're going to get off to a slow start. I'm going to tell you why. has a little bit to do with his injury, but only partially. Preseason picks, NFC, AFC. I'm going to tell you exactly how the NFL year is going to go. It is episode 119 of the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Extra, extra, read all about it. The 49ers and Nick Bosa, the defensive end, have agreed to terms. I don't even know the number. Came across my phone from Schefter, $127 million guaranteed. Maybe that was the total. All I know, highest contract ever for a defensive player. It's how it works. He's totally deserving of it. San Francisco got it done. Lock him up. No questions about it. No thoughts, really, on the contract itself. The Niners should have done it. The guy is a monster. Currently on a progression to be a Hall of Fame Canton NFL career. So certainly agree with it 100%. My bigger thoughts on it are San Francisco. And I got some qualms with how they go about their organization. John Lynch is a little too PR for me little too much politician. He's always on Twitter. People forget he had a like of a very unfavorable tweet about Jimmy Garoppolo just kind of slid under the radar. Somehow the San Francisco media didn't knock him too much for that. I thought that was a little suspect. He's always tweeting out his thoughts and really just really manipulative on the public relations front. However, I have to give him credit with how he goes about signing and constructing his roster. He has shelled out major contracts. And people think it's going to be doom and gloom here next year or in a couple years for the Niners. I push back on that. Because when you sign Jimmy Garoppolo, at the time, 2017, it was a top dollar contract, Fred Warner, Debo Samuel, Trent Williams, and now Nick Bosa, those are all the marquee positions that deserve top-dollar contracts. Yeah, you, you got four or five of them, however many it is. I know Jimmy's not with the team anymore. But you're paying left tackle, defensive end, wide receiver, quarterback, linebacker. Might be the only outlier there. But Fred Warner, when he signed that contract, and he's still a high-level player, he was playing like Luke Keekley and Bobby Wagner and Ray Lewis. So when you have an outlier like that who's playing like a badass, you go ahead and sign him to that contract. 
they've really been good on the margins at offensive guard, safety, cornerback. They understand what helps you win, not only throughout the regular season and in January. So I think when you look at the Bosa contract, there's really no issue, in my opinion, when you sign up top dollar because the guy is a premium player at a premium position. He gets premium dollar. And you have shown through trades and through drafting, Trey Lance probably being the, the one outlier there, rightfully so, that you can hunt value at the margins. That's how they've been winning for the past five seasons. So it's definitely a great move for San Fran, and I don't think here in the near future it's going to bog them down too much. Now, on the flip side with Chris Jones, who's going to be 30 years old or already is 30 years old, He's not on his second contract like Bosa. He's wanting a third contract. That's where it gets tricky because Chris Jones worked at the Chiefs, saw him plenty. He's one of the few players that actually would go out of their way, interact with the business side of things. He's got that Alabama or or Mississippi twang, real friendly guy. He's definitely a player that you want to keep around, but when you ask for the, the 27, 28 million and you're not Aaron Donald, which I think Chris Jones is fantastic, but Aaron Donald is definitely the greatest defensive tackle this game has ever seen. Jones, while he's been excellent, I don't think he's really close to that. So if you're Brett Veach and you've proven that you can get rid of Tyreek Hill, you can get rid of offensive linemen, you can let cornerbacks like Marcus Peters go, who was humming when he was with Kansas City, because you have the greatest security blanket, and Patrick Mahomes, I don't know if you can shell out this third contract. If he's within reason, and I do think that the Chiefs will make it work with Chris Jones, but if he is just trying to squeeze every dollar out of the Chiefs, I think you do have to move on. And this is where it's risky for Chris Jones, because while he does have a lot of leverage, he does have a lot of risk too. I don't think he's just going to hang out until week eight. And if he were to hang out until week eight, while he does have the money to make it happen, as he's noted on social media, is that really the best thing for your career? You haven't been working out with the team, maybe even working out on your own, but there's really nothing that can replicate practice in the NFL. There's nothing that can replicate training camp. So you're not in football shape. If you just show up week nine, start to play football, aren't you really susceptible to injury? And then if you miss games, does that really bode well for your next contract once you are a free agent? I don't really think that's a a great move for Chris Jones to be missing games and then falling out of favor from a health perspective and then potentially missing games and then the negotiating table looks really ugly for you. If I were Chris Jones... I would report here in week one. He's not going to play week one. He'll play week two, maybe even sit out week two, and it's not till week three. And then you're in a really good position to have a monster year and get the top dollar that you want following the 2023 season. I I, I think he does have some leverage here because the Chiefs do need him, but he's got to get his ass in Kansas City and into the facility because if he misses games, that does not bode well when you come back to the negotiating table in 2024.
the whole rumor of tanking is getting thrown out again. And I, I continue to, to shake my head as if the Arizona Cardinals, who have a new GM, a new head coach, would risk their resume intentionally losing games. I get it. Caleb Williams, I've seen a little bit of his tape. Looks great. I hear he's a mini Mahomes. Can go out of structure. Can go on the run. Can throw from all arm angles. He looks fantastic. But to think that Monty Ozenfort, Jonathan Gannon, would intentionally put guys on the field to rack up L's and then position themselves, if they were to get Caleb Williams, to then go into a lame duck season is preposterous to me. When you lose games, players get hurt. Players don't want to go to your organization. Players get embarrassed. And you also have numerous holes you have to fix outside of the quarterback position. So you would risk your career in a league where owners have admittedly said they give you three years or you're fired. You would sacrifice an entire season and then put all your eggs into the basket for that one, most likely one season, perhaps two? I don't think so. As much as I understand the logic, if this guy is a generational quarterback, let's also look at recent history. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they got the number one pick after the Jets infamously won a game against the L.A. Rams. Are the Jets in an awful position now because they didn't get Trevor Lawrence? Last I checked, they have a Hall of Fame quarterback on their roster. The Cleveland Browns, 2016, were trying to lose games. Has that worked out for Cleveland? I understand. Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, Joe Burrow, they change and transform the franchise. But look at Joe Burrow's conference. He has to face Lawrence, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. Are they really moving the needle as much as you think? I don't think so. Meanwhile, a general manager and a head coach are expected to essentially forfeit games in hopes of landing the first overall pick? I don't think so. I don't see it happening unless we're at the final week or in week 17 of the season where this could be manipulated in their favor. They will not go the entire year trying to lose games. Like in 2019, the media thought after week one with the Miami Dolphins. Lamar Jackson threw all over Miami down in South Florida, and everybody was hooting and hollering, thinking that it was intentional. And then the Dolphins went on to win five of their last six games or something like that. There is no tanking in the NFL. There never will be. There is only minute manipulation towards the end of the year where things can actually be staged out. But for now, expect the Arizona Cardinals to line up expecting to win. One guy, I didn't think he would stink, but one cat that I thought, ironically, plays for the Cats, Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, I thought he would be good, not elite, originally when he was drafted. 
But when I watched that college football playoff in 2020 before the world got turned upside down, it, it was January, when he was playing in that in that game, that's what really opened my eyes to his ability to be shifty and manipulate the pocket, much like a Brady, just more mobile. And it has led to incredible success for the Bengals because Zach Taylor, all he wants to do is call pass plays. Their offensive line, while it's highly paid and they got some athleticism, Joe Burrow is always running for his life. Every season since 2021, it's going to happen again in 2023. And with this calf injury, while he's obviously going out there and it seems to be healed up, I I don't think Cincinnati's dumb enough to actually compromise him in, in week one. But it could be a little bit of a nagging injury. If he has to go out here in week one and week two and really explode off of that calf, off that right leg or left leg. I don't even know which it is. Because he is always having to avoid pressure, I don't like Cincinnati necessarily getting off to a hot start, especially now that you bake in. The Ravens obviously are the Ravens, always tough. Kenny Pickett and the Steelers are my pick to click. I'll get to my preseason predictions later on in the show. I like the Steelers a lot. I think they're talented. They're tough. Pickett reminds me of a Kirk Cousins. Mike Tomlin doesn't go about a season in a losing way. Factually speaking, he's never had a losing season. And now you got Deshaun Watson in a full normal offseason with the Browns who got a lot of talent as well. So with the Bengals, calf injury for the quarterback, head coach that only wants to drop back and call pass plays, Offensive line that's always allowing pressure. Tough division. Are we sure that the Bengals are just going to waltz to a division tile in the NFC or the AFC North? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I got the Steelers making the playoffs. I got the Browns. A little bit of a of a giveaway here. I got the Browns winning the AFC North. I got the Bengals missing the playoffs. I don't think they're going to stink. I don't think they're going to be awful, but I think we're going to see that Zach Taylor, while he's not an awful head coach either, he's got some, he's got some red flags. He's got some flaws and we're going to be talking about head coaches coming out of retirement, head coaches leaving jobs. And I think soon here, we're going to be talking about a vacancy for Cincinnati and the opportunity to go coach Joe Burrow and they'll have the opportunity to upgrade because When you don't protect the quarterback like the Bengals have and you really fly close to the sun like they have with the pressure and their bad offensive line and their bad play calling, it really ends in a poor way. And I think this is the year where the Bengals and Burrow are on the outside looking in. So we have Lions and Chiefs kicking us off tomorrow. Perhaps you're listening to this on Thursday. Hope you're getting ready for the game. I'm going to offer you my preview of that game. But I'll begin by talking about my disagreement and how I don't align with a lot of folks. I don't pay attention to the spread, which a lot of people say, what? You you don't pay attention to the odds? You don't look at the line? No. Why the hell would I? All you are asking when you ask for the odds, when you ask for the spread, for the line, stuff that I frankly don't even understand, 
but I do know all it is is a numerical value. The question you're asking yourself and to whomever you might be speaking to is, what is important to consider in this game? And for me personally, I don't need a numerical value. I don't need Vegas, whom I have no idea makes these odds, perhaps Excel spreadsheet folks, perhaps it's Harvard Ivy guys who maybe watch a lot of football, maybe don't, but have a conflict of interest when publicizing such odds. I don't need to listen to their advice. Like you, I'm watching football every Sunday, Monday, Thursday, and in December on Saturdays. I'm watching the teams. I see how the players play. I'm looking at the injury report. I'm looking at the weather. I know the coordinators. I know the coaches. So why the heck do I need to look at these manipulative wagers, these manipulative odds, and ask for what's important? I'm going to go down swinging off my own instincts, off my own knowledge, off my own guts. Now, I don't bet because I like to think I'm aware enough to know that NFL officials, NFL football, it's too quirky of a game to really place dollars on it. And most importantly, I am into football enough. I don't really need to place money to actually be invested in the game. I'm going to sit down from 7.15 till 10.15 or whenever the hell the game is over, and I'm going to watch every snap of the game. It's actually mind-boggling to me that so many folks are willing to put the money out there. And maybe it's just a competitiveness thing. Maybe it's something that I'm actually missing out on and it actually is a ton of fun. But it's never made sense to me. So when Pete's picks come to you this year, know that it's from my research, my thought process, my instincts, what I think is important in that game. And maybe I'll be nothing more than another tool for you to make the best informed decision for your bets, for your wagers. And if that's all I am, that is excellent. But Pete's picks, look out for them every week on Twitter, and we will start here tomorrow evening with Lions and Chiefs. Look out for it. It'll be at Pete4C on the X app. Looking forward to this season. Let's get to the preseason predictions. I'll start with the AFC, the Lamar Hunt Trophy, owner and founder of the Kansas City Chiefs. If you ever have the opportunity to be in Kansas City and do the tour over at Arrowhead, it is incredible. The individual that conducts it, he's so descriptive, so detailed, yet so relatable in how he delivers it. You'll be able to bring yourself, if you're a football fan, if your spouse, if your friend who doesn't like football, even they will enjoy it. He talks about the infancy in the late 1950s, how the AFC conference came about. Lamar Hunt, on his flight home from Miami, wrote down on the back of a napkin how he wanted to create the AFL, which is now, of course, the AFC, the merger being in 1966. So I think his squad takes the number one seed again. Too much experience, too much talent, too much great head coach, too much everything. They'll have their bumps and bruises along the way. They'll lose a 
October game against a mediocre opponent. It happens every year, but when it's all said and done, they will be atop the AFC West. NFC North, Cleveland Browns, as I said, are going to take that division. I think they're too tough, too physical on both the offensive and defensive lines that they'll be able to punish enough teams in their way. Plus, they have the favorable schedule due to their poor record of last year. I think it's going to be a dogfight in the AFC North. I don't think there will be any bad teams, but they're going to beat up on each other. I think the Browns are the ones that come out on top. Buffalo Bills, I think they have strengthened up front on the defensive line. I think they have gotten a ground and pound running game that will succeed, and I think Josh Allen is their greatest weapon on the ground as well. I think they will be able to cultivate a game plan that allows them to win games more with his legs and take more off his plate as a passer. I think Buffalo will win the division because they have the talent, but I do think things could go sideways very easily if they do not have Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen on the same page. Jacksonville Jaguars will take the fourth seed out of the AFC North, bad division, grown-up head coach, generational talent at quarterback. They'll get it done. I don't know about their odds in the playoffs. The Patriots, I think this could flip easily. I think New England could take the three seed, or just the AFC East seed from Buffalo if things do do go sideways. Ultimately, I think Buffalo has a little bit more offensive firepower. I like them to take the third seed, but New England Patriots, Mac Jones had a good rookie year. He's got an offensive coach calling offensive plays. Belichick and New England get back on track. Mike Vrabel is too good of a head coach. Ryan Tannehill has done a lot of good things in this league. DeAndre Hopkins has a lot left in the tank and a lot to prove. I like the Titans coming out of the AFC with one of the wild cards. Lastly, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin, another great head coach, the best, most tough physical team maybe in the NFL in Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett looking like Kirk Cousins, who is a excellent regular season quarterback I like them to come out of the AFC on to the NFC the Dallas Cowboys best most talented defense in the NFL excellent coordinator he'll be up for a head coaching job Mike McCarthy back calling plays you look at his records when he is calling plays those are his most successful teams a little west coast for Dallas I think will bode well for Dak Prescott I like them being the number one seed. Seattle, they are my second seed. Pete Carroll, he is replicating what he did a decade ago. Very talented secondary. They're not going to give up explosive plays. They have a very talented wide receiver core and a bully offensive line. They're going to generate explosive plays. I like them to be a very good team out of a now, all of a sudden, mediocre division. The New Orleans Saints... Derek Carr, talented wideouts, awful division, dome team. Sounds like a cakewalk to me. They will be the third seed. The Minnesota Vikings, while they lost a lot on defense, I like their defensive coordinator. I think he'll be able to play complimentary football to his bad head coach who seems to be much more like Zach Taylor and Mike McDaniel. I don't know if I... 
trust their offense as much, but a bad division where I don't trust Justin Fields, I certainly don't like Matt LaFleur, and where I also don't know about the Lions quite yet, I'm going to default back to the reigning champs, Minnesota Vikings. Philadelphia Eagles, it'll be a little rocky. New coordinator on offense, new coordinator on defense. I think the offensive line still got some good players, but there has been some new faces. I think they're still going to be a good team, but they will be the wild card. The San Francisco 49ers, don't be surprised if this gets ugly quickly with Brock Purdy. New UCL, not a full season last year, first time playing 18 weeks. He ripped his elbow and he's back in eight months. That doesn't all add up to me as far as being ho-hum, easy, healthy season. Lastly, the Atlanta Falcons. I like them to take the seventh seed. I like what they're doing with running backs. Arthur Smith is building a bully. Desmond Ritter, I think, starts the season. He does not end the season. Bold prediction, I think they trade for a quarterback, a backup quarterback, or an underperforming team that has one that's had previous success. I think they sneak in to the NFC wildcard to round out the regular season standings. Thanks so much for choosing the show. NFL kicks off tomorrow. Lions Chiefs cannot wait. Look out for my Pete's Picks on X, the Elon app. I'll let you know every NFL game this season, all 200 and used to be 256. I think it must be up to to 270-something now. I predict every single game. Look out for them. Let your friends, let your family know about the show, Apple Podcasts. Please leave a review. I need more reviews, even if they're bad ones. Leave more reviews. Five stars, four stars, no stars, whatever you feel like giving me. I appreciate you listening, and I appreciate you choosing the podcast. We'll see you next week.